Hello, dudes, dudettes, duders, and everyone in between, and welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I'm Jesse Kester. You knew that, though. Who doesn't know that who's listening to this program at this point? Wait, you might not know that, actually. What If this is your first time listening to the program and you don't know who I am, let me say a sincere, warm welcome to you. I am, I'll tell you exactly who I am. I am the person who is happy to have you listening. Welcome to the show. We are in episode three of four in our mini series on improv comedy. We've talked to Ify Nwadiwe. We've talked to Carl Tart. And today we are talking to the ringleader of the UCB drag race. That is Mono Agapian. He is a, hey, you know what? <laughs> He's a good guest. What do you think? We book garbage? No, this is the Hollywood fishbowl you're listening to. He is a good, they are all good guests. You're going to learn a little bit about uh, growing up in North Carolina today. You're going to learn a little bit about moving to LA today. You're going to learn a little bit about uh, getting in with the improv world. You're going to learn about the genesis, the exodus, and the Leviticus of, wait, there's no, there hasn't been a Leviticus yet of, uh, of, of Drag Race, uh, the UCB edition of Drag Race. Um, and that's, that's, that's what we're getting into. How is this, how is this a Halloween celebration? I'll tell you exactly how this is a Halloween celebration and why Mono is the, appro- the appropriatest guest that we could possibly get on our October 30th release. He is the co-host of Horny for Horror and aren't we all just a little horny for horror? Um, <laughs> I know I am. Um, uh, and that, that horniness uh, we talk a little bit. I don't think we talk much about Horny for Horror, the podcast at all, but that we do. We, we, uh, we, this is the steamiest episode of the Hollywood fishbowl that you've, you've ever listened to. So please put some protection on over your earphones before you get into the meat. And I do mean meat of it on this episode. Is that enough shtick? Are you good? Are we good? I think we're good. Um, horny for horror. Check it out. It's, it's, it's a really good podcast. It is about horror movies. It's not just about, it's also about horror movies and, and just how much we freaking love them. Uh, other than that, boo, it's Halloween. Did I scare you too much with that? If you have nightmares, don't be afraid to, to reach out and I will apologize for having scared you. So, uh, so unceremonious without, without any warning or pretense, I snuck up on you and, and, and made the sound of a ghost. Uh, sorry about that. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. More like, cause that's what we do at Halloween. Boo. Got you again. Two for two. You're probably jumping out of your skin at this point. I think that's, that's enough. Uh, that's enough fright, fright for one night without further, Adieu, I give to you a third boo. Ha <laughs> ha, got you three for three, suckers. Uh, it's it's Mono Agapian. Drops. Morpheus, Morpheus is fighting Neo. And here we go, blowing out the mics right at the top. I'm going to just, <laughs> I'm going to compensate a little bit. You're going to have to, I'm loud. Welcome to the Hollywood Fishbowl. I am Jesse, I am your host, and today I am joined by the one, the only, the illustrious... Mono Agapian. Yes, welcome to the party. Thank you for, uh, you are the first one to blow them out so sincerely. Oh, with, full, with full heart, and I appreciate that. 
that. Yes. Uh, we are I gonna... get this compliment a lot whenever I'm in front of the mic. And Morpheus is done fighting Neo. <laughs> How have you been? I've been good. As you know, I've been like just busy yes. with every little thing, and we've been. I'm so glad we found a time to meet because you've been so accommodating, and I just keep being like, can't do that time, can't yeah. do that time. Here's the thing is I feel like I have known you for three months now and I have not known you for more than five minutes in those. Like we work Uh, together a lot. We run into each other and I'm so amped to be sitting down and getting to know you, the human being, not you, the performer, not you, the the show producer, not you, the sketch filmer. So uh, not you, the guest on Spontaneous Nation, not you, the host of Horny for Horror, co-host of... You are just killing my credits. Thank you. Let's slow down. No, I... I really enjoy the work you do. So I really is, enjoy working with you, fun. and I'm glad we're getting a chance to sit down because you've been uh, absolutely a helpful, professional, uh, mega worker and just busting ass any and every time I see you. So it's so good to get to sit down with you and uh, drink this delicious tea. I come from the world of video. And mm-hmm. in the world of video, you uh, the, the world of photo is so much easier. So swinging by and taking a couple photos is nothing. Yeah. After doing photo filming and editing, it's so much easier to do. Or video filming and, and editing yeah. stills are so much easier. There's no skin off. Okay, let's stop patting each other on the back. Okay, and we let's got actually it. We like create something of value for the Thank next you. hour. So uh, what we like to do at the top is kick things off with something called five and five. I'm going to ask you five questions. You have oh, one minute yes. to answer each. So five each. questions in five minutes. Do I have to fill the whole minute? You do not have to. You can okay. forfeit any second you like. <laughs> so uh, you're going to have beeps so you know when your time's up-ish. Great. But let's get into it. That's what the beeps sound like. Nice. Question number one. Where did you grow up and how did that inform your adulthood? All right. I grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina. This was a very suburban, middle-of-the-road kind of town. Uh, More conservative in ways and then liberal in ways. Um, You know, in the mixture of a lot of um, uh, 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 college town uh, blue vibes, but also you're in North Carolina, so holy shit, the red red will come out ya. That definitely affected how I view the world because I was a brown kid in a... uh, Now, once I left it, I realize... Very conservative uh, 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 little sphere of the world. Um, I was a freak, um, and I didn't realize how much of a freak I was. I didn't realize it was not everyone was getting treated the way I was getting treated. Were you out of the closet in Greensboro, or did that come later? I yeah, no, I was not really out of the closet. Okay. I went to college and oh, up, up, up. Love to know more, up, but it's over. Yep, we'll come back to some okay. of that maybe. Question number two, what is the must-engage media, the book, the album, the movie that opened up your brain, that unlocked the secrets of the universe to you? Wow. Okay. I'm just going to go with what came first to me. And for some reason, it was Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Excellent choice. I don't know why, but that movie really spoke to me, I think, because I felt like a freak mm-hmm. in, in my high school, middle school, every year of my life. Um, but I also think it's such a weird, creative movie that would never get made today in a theatrical release with because it has like a 30-minute dream sequence in the middle of it for no reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one kind of unlocked my brain. Um, that and cartoons. Which cartoons? Are you talking Looney Tunes or Disney? Everything from the gamut of Looney Tunes to Comedy Central. My parents okay. let me watch everything. So from a young age, I was watching awful adult cartoons. 
How? I don't want to. Oop. Uh, I'd love. Uh, but I can't. But. <laughs> Coming up on question three. You're doing fine. You're doing excellent. Uh, question number three is what brings you the greatest joy in your life? Oh, my God. Um, if I'm being sincere, it's probably my boyfriend. Oh, that's sweet though. <laughs> yeah, my boyfriend's really awesome and sweet and I like him a lot. I've been dating him for three years. Um, if I'm being a little bit more flippant, I would say a cereal. Um, I buy a lot of limited edition cereal. Do you eat them or have them sitting on the shelf for posterity? Both. Both. Okay. I really dole them out like they're like ancient tomes. Okay. Like, I, like for instance, I just bought Waffle Crisp because they just discontinued Waffle Crisp. So you got a stash. So. I some have, for now, some for later, exactly. some forever. And then I buy like Korean Oreo O's, the Super Mario cereal, um, a lot of limited edition cereals that I know are going to go away. Did you get any of the Golden Girls cereal, the limited edition from Target? Oh, no. Golden Girls? Girl, Golden Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Show. Was it made by like Funko Pop? Yeah. Maybe. I didn't. Oh, man. Dang oh, it. Wish we could talk about that more, but they time- have a whole line of cereals. That's my understanding. Yes. Number four, what gets under your skin? Uh, like people not owning up to their frustrations. So I had a friend. It's outward and inward at the same time. Tell I, me. I had a friend recently who was like clearly frustrated at me. And I said, hey, are you mad at me? Like they were like, hey, are you mad at me? And they're like, no, I was doing a bit. And I wanted Hilarious. to be like, like, no, you weren't like you're frustrated at me. And I would rather us talk about it. Yeah. Then you say, no, it was a bit where I call you a piece of shit. I was like, mm. on a public stage or just to your face in private, in private. Okay. But I get it. It's not someone, a very, not a well-built bit, really. not a well-built bit, but it was just that thing of like, come on, let's just, let's yeah. communicate directly. I'm so old now that we will benefit more so if we can communicate clearly on this. Until you've been to the other side of communicating clearly, when you're on the, the old side where it's not clear communication, it does seem like the worst. It seems like painful or yeah. intimidating. Yep. But once you cross over. The, uh, yep. Sorry, I stole 10 of your seconds. How dare you? Last question. Uh, what is the best advice that you've ever received? And what is the best advice that you give that in- originated in your brain? Wow. Okay. The best piece of advice I've gotten, I think is like, I think I heard someone say something of like, don't get out of line. Like I heard someone say that in reference to like what you want to do with your career. It's mm-hmm. probably, especially in terms of comedy. It's like, I heard someone say like, I think it was Seinfeld. Um, and Seinfeld said like, I wasn't the best comedian. I just never got out of line. Okay. And then so my other friends, yeah, it's like my yep. other friends were kept getting out of line. So I kept moving up in the queue. Yep. Um, so that's the best advice I've heard for me. A piece of advice I've heard from myself and I like to tell people is like, be stubborn and kind. There it is. Yeah. Be stubborn about what you want and then be super duper kind because I think that's what it takes um, to figure things out in a very competitive town. Beautiful. Yeah. We're done with five and five. Woo. And you nailed it. You nailed it. That was a home run. Thank you. Let's slow things down a little bit. Let's take it back to North Carolina. North Carolina. Go ahead and raise up. I was, I spent a year in Asheville and then four years on uh, campus at Winston-Salem, North Carolina School of the Arts. Mm-hmm. So I lived in the very liberal uh, North Carolina. Yeah. There are two North Carolinas. Yes, and I did too because I went to school at Chapel Hill. Okay, okay. That was a very what liberal were you North studying Carolina. There? I was studying sociology and screenwriting. 
All right. How does the sociology tie? The screenwriter, I can see the straight line to where you are now, but what, why sociology? Where did that come from? I think I stumbled into it, but I have to admit it definitely came from my fascination with like trying to understand my position in North Carolina and my life. So I found out, um, not only I found out that I was half Greek and then half, uh, Palestinian. Okay. Later on in That's life. That's not a common combination in right. in America in, in North Carolina specifically. No. Like No. But I found that out about myself and then like I think my whole life I had been trapped between otherness and whiteness and uh, you know, also being torn between gayness and uh, I was very, very gay, but like understanding your place in society relative to your sexuality and gender yeah. and race and ethnicity and the ways in which those two intersect, I was always fascinated with that because I always felt like such a weird anomaly. You um, said, I've, I've been trying to keep track of how often you said freak in relation to <laughs> yourself and it's uh, twice in five and five. Yeah. But do uh, you feel marginalized? Like when, okay, when you're a kid, when you're a little kid, I don't remember really feeling anything except kind of like I'm in the world and here I am. But then when you hit those teenage years, that's when you start to feel very much on the outside. That's my experience. Yeah. But we're not here for that. We're here for your experience. When I, is the, the outside? I was like always on the outside. I was like bullied. I have so, I had a bully for every I had multiple bullies every year of my life from kindergarten through 12th grade that's incredible I just always I literally have kept a list because I like, tried to keep track of it it's so long and like I think I was just really weird I was chubby mm-hmm. I was foreign I was very feminine were you born in America though yes okay so I was born here you're I visually just, foreign not yes not visually legally foreign. foreign and I think in North Carolina it was made very clear I was yeah. foreign especially just like I remember when I was very young um, I'll never forget this in like first grade or something we were like filling out our end of grade tests and like mm-hmm. the 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 choices are very limited in North Carolina and they were like white, black, um, you know, Latino. And then maybe either, I don't know, maybe it was, I don't even know if there was other, maybe there was like uh, Asian. I don't even know if there was Asian. It was very limited. Yeah. I remember I put white because my understanding of myself was that like Greek was white. European. It's, yeah. it's very, well, it's, and then you study the history of that and that's so racist because like the reason, <laughs> <laughs> the reason Greeks get to maintain their whiteness is because they're traditionally Christian. Okay. So that when you start learning the connections between yeah. that and how we view race is like, oh, it's all made up and everyone's an asshole. But anyways, I remember marking white and having a teacher come back to me and say, I don't Not think quite, so, man. sweetheart. Yeah. yeah, she was like, I don't think this is right. And I was like, huh? Yeah. Um, so forever, I was just like... Quite a great, a bold move from the teacher. Like, mm-hmm. if you weren't feeling ostracized enough, it's it's always good to have the teacher remind you oh, that you're yeah. other, that you don't fit in. That's, exactly. It's good to have them on the side of the, the ostracizers and not the welcomers. Yeah, I think they were, she was just, I don't know if she, I don't, I'm sure it came from, I don't know, it came from an uninformed place, but I don't think it came from an evil place. Yeah, yeah, It was just yeah. very uninformed, and I, I honestly assumed their their interest in making the school look more inclusive. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Honestly, yep, yep. like I don't think this is you. We want you to put this down. Do you find your click though in high school? I mean, are you with the drama kids or yep. are you? Okay, so you find some drama weirdos, some home. Yes, what I called uh, I found some drama. Uh, I'm gonna say drama fags. I found drama fags and drug monsters. The latter I can relate to. Do you know what I mean? I don't know what it was, but like I, they were like, we just, I connected with them in some weird yeah. way. And I wasn't even that into stuff. I was, yeah, yeah I was yeah. very risk averse. Yep. And, but for some reason though, like we were weird in a way that really clicked. 
Were they in the drama club or were they, was that a separate a separate crowd? For some reason, those crowds really intersected. They do. There's a, there's overlap on that Venn diagram. Yes, there was a lot there's, of overlap, and it was like the kids who were doing whippets and snorting Adderall were somehow really tight. Would with, you do the the cracker into the balloon? That was that how you guys took it in? No, no, or they took it in. Sorry, just from the can. Really? Yeah, they were bolder than we were. We were we were a little softer up in Pennsylvania. Cracker in the balloon. So oh, you, you crack, crack open the canister and fill up a fill up a balloon or a latex oh. glove, and then you pass the glove around. Hi, oh, mom. Wow. How have you been? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what plays did you do though? Oh God! In high school, so there was two drama groups. There was like a and there was a serious drama group called ETC. You had two drama groups in your high school. Yes. Okay. There was, so I, you weren't doing that. It wasn't that bad at school. Uh, well, I ended up going to a performing arts high school for... That was a detail we left out. Yeah, they, well, well, okay, well, I should say, though, there, my high school had a program where if you wanted to take a special elective, you mm-hmm. could. Okay. And I wanted to take the special drama elective because at that point, I was funny. Mm-hmm. Like, and as early as middle school, I, like was funny just as a defense mechanism. Yeah. Like yeah. I would, I would say awful things and I would say sassy things and people really laughed at it. So I was like, Oh my God, this is a superpower I yep, might have. Yep. 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 And it can deflect some, some aggression mm-hmm. here and there. Mm-hmm. And then I just, I don't know. People thought I was funny. And also I just think like being chubby is funny. You know? So I was like chubby bitchy kid. Just like, that's hilarious. And so I ended up auditioning for this other high school thing. And there was two, there was the serious drama group, called ETC, mm-hmm. Ensemble Theater Company, or et cetera. Oh, wow. And then there was the Goofy Kids, which was me and a bunch of freaks called Domino. That sounds that sounds more like your speed. I don't know Absolutely. that much about you, but it feels like Domino might be. Domino the, was 100% my speed. Whatever it was, the Equestrian Theater Commission. Did you, or, and let me ask you a weird question, because I've talked about this with some people. Like, And it was like, we did a lot of things where we would like do sketches. We would recreate sketches like from SNL. Mm-hmm. Did you ever like do that in high school or like uh, ha- know of your high school to do that? In so far as the drama kids I hung out with, we could do, there it is. We always wait for the, the mic. The first it's, click. Well, it's one of my favorite parts. We would do, uh, we could, we could recite the parrot sketch off the but top of our head. we would like head, do them on stage. No, no, no. We didn't make our parents sit through our recreations yep. of wink, wink, nudge, nudge, say no more. That's what we did. <laughs> and they, they politely endured it? Yes. Or were you good? They were, I mean, they were, they were like, I doubt they were good, but they were there were just shows called piecemeals and you could either, you know, like you could put up your original sketch, but most people just vied to like recreate SNL yeah. sketches. And well, who I, was on SNL at the time? Who'd you grow up with? Which, um, I think we're, Adam I was Sandler most affected or? by the Adam, everyone from the Adam Sandler moment, Sherry O'Terry, Will Ferrell, mm-hmm. Anna Gosteyer, uh, 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 Molly Shannon, Horatio Sands. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Rachel Dratch, that era. But it could go up as early as Jan Hook. Okay. Jan Hooks? Yep. Jan yep. Hook. No, I, I couldn't correct you if anyway, I was paid to. Every, everything from that era to me was golden. I, I also love John Lovitz, all of that. I love doing a terrible John Lovitz impersonation. Can I hear it? No, uh, what it, I, yeah. it's, no more. That's the whole thing. That's it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, uh, mine, I think, is his moment from Wedding Singer. What's your John Lovitz? Uh, He's losing his mind, and I'm reaping all the benefits. 
curtain pullback. <laughs> Your, yours has more context than mine. Much, much more meat to it. So you're in Domino. You're doing uh, you're doing sketches. Are you writing at that point? Are you a little bit? You know what's funny? I you know what? Because I also had I had a funny side and a emo side, and I had written a. Few, Are there emo photos of you? Well, I didn't dress emo, oh, okay, but okay. I was in creative writing classes. Okay. Well, what else is there to be but emo when you're in creative writing I mean, classes in high school? Like, that's all you can do. Did you rhyme love with dove and or above in your time there? <laughs> I just wrote really, like, I wrote this one really sad poem called, like, Black Coffee. And, nice. like, it was just sad. And, like, and then somehow, like, won some, like, a, like regional awards, which are, like, the easiest thing to win in the whole world. But, yep. like, it was just sad. And I think it was that thing of, like, holy shit, this kid's sad. <laughs> like, give him an award. <laughs> Reward him. him. Quickly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but I remember I got some notoriety from that. So, like, that was one of my first moments of, like, oh, wow, I guess I'm kind of good at writing or or I have something to say. Yeah. I'm not sure what it was, but like, um, yeah, so I, I very early on got some, I was interested in writing. And does Domino have an improv arm or is it all off Yes, but it was terrible. Okay. Like we did some improv, but it was the worst. I mean, the worst. I, b- I believe it. I'm not going to, I'm not going to contest that, but we'll get back to improv because once we get into UCB, I've got a couple of specific questions. Mm-hmm. Um, you graduate high school. Mm-hmm. Um, you go to college for sociology and screenwriting and screenwriting graduate graduate congratulations Thank four years you. did you did you five it took my bad. time not bad i was just one year in Asheville and then four years in winston <laughs> a little yeah. parallel track going there. oh yeah you come to la straight after that mm-hmm. or do you hang out in, in i came to la with an internship right after uh, where it was terrible i hated it it was cor- uh, true tv it was actually the year they were transitioning from court tv to true tv okay because true tv is the exact same company as court tv and part of my job was answering the phone and saying true tv no 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 wait no 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 this this, yes this was this was court tv but hello that was part of my job and then another part of my job was because true tv used to do a lot of um disaster shows Mm -hmm. like uh world's most dangerous cop chases too and like, yeah, and like uh, world's most dangerous natural disasters. But not part two. Not part two. No, yeah. that was an original. Okay. Um, I, and part of my job was researching disaster footage. So you're just on Google and YouTube. Was YouTube invented by YouTube then? was there. Okay. So I was Googling and YouTubing, going on Daily Motion, and like researching disaster footage, and then asking myself, is there a story in this disaster footage? So how was your soul doing at this point? Awful. Like when you wake up in the morning. I feel lower than the Babadook. Okay. I feel uh, corrupted, demonic. Hey, if it's in a word or if it's in a book, <laughs> you can't escape. That was about two months after being here. That was real stupid. Yeah, but I only did that for two months and then I jumped ship. Speaking of Babadook, and we'll come back to all that. Please. Have you seen Hereditary? Okay, never mind. Scratch that from the record. I haven't, and it's it's shocking that I haven't seen it yet because I watch horror. Yeah, no, no, I know you you have an investment in the genre, but I just want you to know it's like it's like a funny, it's like my version of hell, where it's like everyone in the world's like, oh, you've seen Hereditary, and I'm like, no, and they're like, but you like horror. But what happened was on the first day it came out, my boyfriend saw it and my roommate saw it, and so a rift in time and space was created. Ah, yep, yep. Where you were supposed to have seen it. Exactly. In the rational universe, the one yes. that we should be living in, you would have been there. <laughs> what, my two closest contacts had seen it without me, so I was fucked. 
Okay, never mind. Scratch the hereditary. It's just that Babadook bugged me. Hereditary crawled under my skin and is still mm. there. And it's, they're very much in the same the same Realm. vein. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but uh, you're looking at nightmare footage of people smashing their face yeah, on the side awful. of a building. I'm here for two months. I'm shocked at how little fun I'm having in LA. You ever end up pretty on miserable. Set, or is it just desk work for this company? Desk work. Okay. Awful. I worked for this awful person who uh, had so many weird rules for me, including like I couldn't, uh, at the time I was, I guess I would wear like cologne. Um, mm-hmm. and then she told me I couldn't wear cologne. I couldn't wear the color red because she thought it was bad luck. Okay. She invited me to the agape church, mm-hmm. which was her church. And she basically also like told me like, you know, the people who participate in the agape church have a lot better opportunities in this company. She basically like bribed me into coming to her church. Do you have faith? I mean, was church part of your life before and after that Uh, or not really? Very much earlier on, I used to be Greek Orthodox. Okay. And like, but I would just did it because I was supposed to. Yep, yep, yep. You know, I just grew up in that church and like, I wasn't the worst experience. Yeah. I just ultimately found that like there's, for me, being queer and religious is ridiculous. Or being queer and Christian to me is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah this sandpaper on flesh. It's, yes. it's like a little bit of, of like an, loving a friction your, there. It's like loving your kidnapper uh, it, to yes. me. That's a nice way to put it. Yes. It's like, why Why would I in, indulge in something that only wants to oppress me? But you can still, uh, even <coughs> if it's not Christianity, you can, uh, uh, is there spirituality happening inside mm-hmm. of you or not really? It's know. okay if there's not. There's I no. don't, well, here's the thing. I think I'm a really fucking cool, loving person. <laughs> I just like, I think I just have good energy. Yeah. I don't know exactly where that comes from. Like if I'm just like naturally just, I have a natural disposition of being cool and happy or if that is a universal thing. Um, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I believe in like, I don't know. I tend to believe in science. And then if someone's like, if someone wants to throw some happy universe energy stuff my way, I'm like, no, I'm cool. I'm cool with that. Oh, okay. Okay. But I'm generally pretty atheist and like believe in just the beauty of people and nature. That's warmly welcome here. Yeah. That all anywhere along the spectrum is, is welcome <laughs> on this show. Uh, so you, do you quit that job? Do you get fired for wearing too much red one week or? Yeah, I think what, I. Or does it, was, it just kind of like gently, you both realize you're like, this isn't, this isn't working. We can both end it. I think there was like a natural end date to the internship. And then, but it was very clear they weren't like stay. I was like, I was terrible. I hated yeah, my job. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely hated it. And I hated them. So it was very much like, I just did my best to seem professional and yep, then yep. like ran away. And then what do you do after that? Like, do you, do you, what are you getting into? When do you start oh, finding God. your, your actual, do you feel like you found your actual path? Are you on the, are you, are you, you yet? Um, I think so. I guess that's, that's a really interesting question. I definitely was like just struggling and like I was working at other jobs. I worked for this film production company for a little bit that like had a film going to Sundance and that Mm -hmm. was like a half of a normal job for a second but then they ran out of money and let me go I think what happened was the only time I really the times I felt my real frequency was when I was at UCB and like but I knew I wanted to do UCB even before I came to LA because I did some improv in college yep yep and I had gone to the Del Close marathons during my time in college already 
Um, so I had already seen the UCB theater in New York and was like, oh, I really like this energy. So when I came out to LA, like I was taking a UCB class, like the week I came out. Okay. So from day one, you're kind of finding that I was like, this is where my energy is hopefully going to be harvested. So that was where I was finding people. That's where I met Betsy, who's my roommate and, and best friend for sure. That's where I met everyone. Was she just getting started when you landed there? Was it her first, like she was 101 and you were 101? Yeah. We were like, we had both come to LA within like a couple months of each other. Okay. And like, we had just met kind of randomly on the indie scene, like probably at like one of these indie shows at the, at uh, crash bar or TNT, which did not used to be at the clubhouse house like they currently are just indie shows all over the place i'm nodding like i know tnt yeah, but i'm still getting shouldn't. my feet on the ground you i'm shouldn't. still figuring my way around town we just met at different indie yeah, improv nights yeah, around okay. town so here's one of the big questions on my mind for improv mm-hmm. and what i was thinking about when you were talking about the high school stuff was like is so much of a successful improv show you can bring all the best brilliance and energy that you have in your heart, but if your team members, they can also be fantastic, but if they're not a match for you, mm. it's it might not work. Yeah. So you could have five brilliant minds on stage mm-hmm. and still have the, the the worst show in the world. You could be brilliant, you could be matched up with people who just aren't brilliant. Mm-hmm. How, like, how do you find yourself when you're in an environment that's so dependent on the other people, not just being good, but also being a good that propels your good and your good propels their good. That's so great. I think you have to like you. It just takes time to find your people. Like you can't like force who you're going to have chemistry with is one thing. Yeah. I think every like I think good improv teams are like the Avengers, right? They all have different superpowers. Yep. 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 It would be so stupid if the Avengers was three. Uh, three Iron Man's. Man's. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so I think about that and I think about like, oh, I don't have to do what they do well. I should be doing what I do well. What do you do well? That's I don't a good mean question. that like rudely. I just no. mean where, how do you frame yourself as an improver? I think um, I do a lot. Okay, the, the the simplest way to put it is like I'm a mom. Oh, I'm an improv mom. Okay, that's sweet. Yeah, you are. You are like the mama of that show. Uh, I would. Yeah, I would call you mama of. I'm of, the mom. Of, like, and I know that about my energy. It's very helpful. So, like the way Billy Merritt, Billy Merritt talks about improv terminologies. He he refers to all improvisers as robots ninjas or um uh pirates okay a pirate being someone who's just like brave fearless gonna attack the scene a robot is someone who's analytical uh super uh uh uh, super count counting all the pixels of every scene and a ninja is someone who's secretly helping the form without you even noticing them okay i think i'm most like a ninja Okay. Um, and that I'm like, I'm more so taking care of the whole form and taking care of the improvisers as a whole yep. in scenes. And um, yeah, I'm just more of a mom in terms of like, I think about taking care of the team and taking care of the show. And that's something I'm just naturally good at. Um, so I think once I lean more and more into that, yeah. I found my strength on a team. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And don't, take this the wrong way but after your shows like when I see you do improv Mm -hmm. I'm not coming away like that mono man Mm -hmm. fucking hilarious how does he do like (laughs) you're not that type of comedian right so it's interesting to hear you frame yourself exactly the way that I should have been framing you from the beginning right you do keep it all moving Mm -hmm. and I wonder there's such a temptation there's like the 
the stage calls to people who want to be at the center of the stage. So right. I wonder, like, that type, the ninja type, is probably rarer. Like, is yeah. maybe there are fewer of them and they're quieter. Yeah. But m- essential nonetheless. I would maybe. I would hope so. <laughs> That's my hope. You seem um, to be getting called back. You seem to be on stage a fair bit. Yeah, I seem to. Yeah, I really do seem to found a niche for myself. Yeah, I agree. I, I certainly agree. Um, yeah, I think so. I think it's like a... Without tooting my own horn too much, I think it is like a, it's not a skill everyone has, and it's certainly one that's maybe not always the most uh, uh, regaled, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's not like the most like, you know, just the most notable, yeah. but it's a, a necessary thing. But then you get into something like Drag Race, mm-hmm. where you are not the center of attention on that mm-hmm. program, mm-hmm. but none of it happens with, like, you're at the center of it all. Right. So, can we talk about the uh, inception and genesis of Drag Race, which Absolutely. I fucking love. Thank you so much. Every edition, every edition, I show up thinking, like, there is no way they're going to top the last one. And I walk away feeling like a moron for having thought <laughs> that on the way in. It's very nice of you. What, you. How did that start? It started many years ago. You know, it started. I started as the only host. I wanted to just do an homage to Drag Race. I've loved Drag Race ever since its first season. And I wanted to straight up do a UCB drag race. I was like, we as comedians do so many forms of drag already. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because to me, drag, of course, is just pretend. And I was like, all of my friends at UCB do pretend. Yeah. Um. So if even if they're dressing as a woman or whatever, like. I know that they can have fun pretending. So I was like, let's do a UCB drag race. And I did a one-off. Um, I, at that time I hosted as my first drag personality, whose name was ouch, Madame foot, mm-hmm. who had a big cast on her foot and was like a nurse character. She was really fun. But even then it was like that. It wasn't as, it was like as, it wasn't as raucous yet. It was still more of a, like, I was still figuring it out. And it was a little bit more of like a pageant. Okay. It, it felt more like a pageant than currently now. It feels like more of like the a, shows are off the hinges now. Like right. it's out of control, and it's so weird because it's so late at night and it's mm-hmm. packed house, and everyone's bouncing off the walls the whole time. Totally, totally. So now, yeah, it's a real uh, uh, wild thing now. Um, How did you land on that idea of drag equals pretend? Because I I never th- heard it condensed so much the idea of drag sure i mean i was definitely informed a little bit by rupaul because i know rupaul says you know you're born naked and the rest is drag you know that's one of her things and i and i thought to myself of like oh yeah that is true like no matter how we decide to choose ourselves how how we choose to dress ourselves excuse me um we all have a form of drag like even the fact that i like to dress like kind of like an adult baby that's my drag and the way that like a businessman prefers to wear a sharp suit and present yep. himself with those pointy leather shoes. It's like, that's drag. You know what I mean? The way that just like even a good old boy in Texas is like, yeah. I like to wear my, my, uh, my tank top. Yep. Yep. I don't know. I can't properly uh, describe that attire, but like that's drag. Like whatever you wear is drag. Yeah. 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 Um, and then I just thought to myself of like, I've just grew up, you know, being around comedy weirdos. I was like, we do drag all the time. It's just like pretending to be a thing. Yep. It's just the gender thing that really, really, st- it, it really, um, 
Be- because of how gender blows our minds for some reason. Gender yeah. expression blows our minds as a society. Yes, yes. And that's weird because it seems like we should have been inoculated to gender by now. Mm-hmm. Like we've had time to contend with the fact that there's a spectrum and we are somewhere on it and other people are other places. Like we should, yeah. have, we should be okay with gender bending at this point, I think. It still shocks people to their core. Yeah. It's crazy. You know what I love about gender bending is there's this, I don't know if this is new or not. I don't know enough about drag to say whether or not it's, it's recent, but there are drag queens who are men who dress as women and their women characters are dragging as men. So it comes back, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's like a wild reversal of a reversal. It's very fun to see the, the folding happen. Yeah. Not a question in there. So you don't have to answer. (laughs) I love it so much. And I know, I mean, I don't know if you know, maybe you're aware of this, but like now there's a phenomenon called bio Queens, which never heard of it. So this is the phenomenon of females who are like, Oh, I want to express myself as a drag queen. So even though I'm female, yeah. I want to get in like a hyper feminine yeah, yeah, dress. Yeah. yeah, the high contrast version of exactly. feminine. Exactly. Yep. And just be like, just so you know, like this isn't me. Yeah. This yeah. is me having fun in drag. You know what I mean? Because like as a woman, I wouldn't I I wouldn't necessarily wear this, this, and this. Yep. But you know, I want to express myself in this pretend. I want to almost like um, uh, be hyper expressive in gender. Um, so that's a thing that's happening now too, where like women are being biological drag queens. Is that like Gaga? The start I think of so. That maybe? I think so. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. She has a I mean, drag feel to a lot of her early. It's been happening. For, I mean, even Madonna. I mean, it's been yeah, happening yeah, for yeah. a long time. Yeah, we're just, yeah. We just didn't have the words for it. Yep. Okay. And what right. is it? Bio queen? Bio queen. Excellent. So uh, uh, drag race starts out more as a pageant Mm -hmm. then what season are we in now i guess this is five okay so how's that escalation happen to what we're seeing today i think there was a second show if i'm correct in this i think it was still a one-off show where oscar hosted with and but this time i was like just getting becoming friends with oscar and we were so similar in so many ways we love drag oscar did the clown routine right yes what the fuck was that? It was awesome. That, how much of that do you know is going to happen and how much of this stuff is prepared in secret Almost away from your v- eyes? very secretive. I had no idea. I mean, I knew he was going to do something, some yeah. cool choreography because he's very good at dance and choreography. And um, I had, I just, I was just like, oh, he's doing something clowny. Okay. Um, yeah. And so I, I didn't know. And the queens in their costumes, what they come out in, you don't know any of that or some of that? No, or? I do, I try to keep as, I'm lucky and I have a producer who's super awesome. Is that Jackie? Jackie. Okay. We might be having her on. We we're trying awesome. to schedule her up. I'm awesome. really looking forward to hearing her. She's perspective. super awesome. Um, she's awesome, and like she, we have a team of lovely people who have generously donated their time because they love the show, and she, we try. And also, in the interest of keeping it fair, we try to let her know everything. So okay. we, as okay, judges, so she can actually produce the show exactly, and yeah. then we as judges can be genuinely unbiased or not know, mm-hmm. and then we can judge it when we see it, as opposed to being like, oh, I've heard this person's going to do X, yeah. and this yeah. person's going to yeah. do X. Um, uh, heart broke when Bottomless Mimosa was voted off. A lot of people were. That was that. So I just wanted to take that up with you on the air. It's very important that we address these issues. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Don't know what y'all was. I'll still show up for the last Uh edition, but you know. It was out of our hands. If the photos are blurry. You know, it was out of my hands. Don't blame me. (laughs) Out of my hands, you know. And this is actually what I love about this because we're doing all-stars rules and the queens Mm -hmm. eliminate each other 
out of my hands who That's, gets eliminated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ultimately. Yeah, it's fair. It's totally um, fair. But yeah, it sucks. But I think it's it was inevitable. Anytime you're in a almost finale situation, yeah. inevitably, I think... Well, you're down to the people that everybody loves the most. So, exactly. of course, half the audience is going to be heartbroken Actually, in the second not, to last. There wasn't one queen in that top five that the, the audience would have accepted going Oh, home. yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. it's just like, oh, yeah, we're going to be bummed tonight. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. someone great's going home. Oh, but it was such a good show. It was so much fun. Thanks. Um, I had a good time. Got a question about improv for you. And, Please. Uh, this one's coming up a couple of times on this series. Um, there's like the joke in the pr- traditional sense of set up punchline or uh, premise twist. But when I'm sitting in the, the UCB and in the improv shows, there's no real set up punchline, but there are laughs. And I'm trying to figure out like what a joke is anymore. I'm not quite sure how, how to define joke. Is it just, is it what happens before a laugh happens is that how do you frame jokes in that a lot of ucb stuff like like what we lean into is like the game of the scene Mm -hmm. and a lot of what we talk about is like if this is true then what else is true okay so for me that's that's where at least i've been programmed when i'm improvising to think of myself so if we have drunk grandma okay Mm -hmm. okay if if it's true that my grandma is drunk what else is true you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Then, you know, she's given us vodka bottles for Christmas. She's yep. uh, crashing her car into the garage. Yep, yep, yep. Um, she's uh, probably has a pocket breathalyzer. Um, she probably put, um, <laughs> she probably accidentally put glass in the cherry pie. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, drunk grandma might have the kids blowing in the breathalyzer so she can start the car. Sometimes. There we go. There we go. That, so that's where my training is at. Yeah. It's like, it's truly, if this, then what, that's what you see written around the crest yep. uh, in Latin at the UCB How training center. How do you say center. that in Latin? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't. Okay. I just know it says, if this is true, then what else is true? Or if this, then what? So for, for me, that's... That has been my, my training lives there where it's like, how do you discover the first unusual thing in a scene Mm -hmm. and then dig into it by saying, if this is true, then these other things must be true. Yeah. 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 Um, so for me, that's where it is essentially for building the scene. Yep. Yeah. That's been really fun to me. But yeah, um, I, I love it so much. Once the scene is built, where do you go from there? Yeah, well, that's, I mean, then you it's can It's tough to talk in abstracts, but yeah. some some type of insight, if you have any, if you don't. Absolutely. Can, can I mean, like, that's what I love about, like, as you know, like, you know, you've seen, like, then it's funny. It's like, if you, you know, there's so many, we, you can blow out the scene that's currently happening. Mm-hmm. That's always fun to be like with walk-ons and see what who else. What does blow out? Oh, uh, that like just means like, like. Disrupt the, the flow or what? Um, no, no, no. Um, like just like with like walk-ons, you can sometimes, so there's a couple ways. So okay. one way that's so fun is of course, walk, walking onto the scene as other characters, right? Mm-hmm. Other characters can walk onto the scene and, and support that first unusual thing. Perhaps it's a waiter who's like, uh, excuse me, ma'am, you uh, brought this barrel of wine for us to uncork. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Like, that's a way you can support like, it. Yep. Another th- way I think about, of course, is you can think about where else would they do this unusual thing. And obviously you see in like tag runs, what we call mm-hmm. tag runs, when they take that same character to another location. Yep. yep you yep. can keep it going. Maybe like, oh, if drunk grandma's a mess of Thanksgiving, 
then what is she like at the movie theater? Yep, yep, yep. What is she like at a wine tasting? Yeah. What is she like at a brewery tour? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or her yoga class, probably still fucking drunk. Yep. Um, and then what, another thing I really love to think about is sometimes I like to think of um, the unusual thing almost as a zombie outbreak. So sometimes you can ask yourself, huh, what if this unusual thing metastasized mm-hmm. and its influence didn't just come from one person, but it grew like a zombie outbreak. It affected the family. Yeah. And then the whole, it's drunk family. Like, yeah. What if drunk grandma had a club of, like this was a club they had of exactly. drunk grandmas and they loved getting drunk together. And then or what something if drunk like grandmas metastasized to a drunk retirement home? Yeah. 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 To a drunk news station. Yes. Yes. And then you could have the, the alcohol vendor who's visiting that nursing home that yes. just, they can't get enough of it. Exactly. It's his favorite stop on his sales tour. Exactly. It's sometimes referred to as the circle of influence. Okay. Um, of like what happens when the circle of influence increases. But really, I just like to think of it as like, yeah, when that unusual thing encounters a zombie outbreak, that can help you still um, play with that first unusual thing, Mm -hmm. but in a way that's a little bit more exploratory. Oh, I love it. Keep going. (laughs) Um, That was the first one that that really got me. It's been a while since I've been, uh, my brain was erased when you hit that thing. Usually I keep going, but that one, that one got me. Uh, You know what we're going to do? We're Whoa. ringing the bell. That's that's what happens when you erase my brain. I fall Take back that. on the bell. Please pull the first one today. Oh, okay. Or you can pull some some trail I might mix. Pull Either some one's candies fine. Too. There's a lovely trail mix here. Okay, should I read it? I found pulled one do. out. I really responded to the like the bleeding uh, sharpie. That's on it. I believe that's Carl Tart. I could be wrong. <gasps> I love Carl Tart. Okay, how great. good is he? Amazing. He's fun. Uh, may a genius, a gentleman. Uh, so goddamned talented. Yeah. Fucking talented. What 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 got me with him was uh and we talk about this on his episode. He I walk up to him and start talking and he treats me how I want to be treated. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What the fuck's going on? This guy doesn't need to make time for me at all." Mm-hmm. But he does. He's an angel. Um and he's he doesn't know how to not be funny. Oh uh, yeah. He's yeah. never said an unfunny thing in his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. What's his so question, though? I enough, think this enough. is his question. I love him. Okay, okay. If you weren't in your current field, what would you be doing, and would you be happy? Ooh, that's good. Yes. If I wasn't in my current field, what would I be doing, and would I be happy? There's a couple answers here. Um, one is, and I think this is the least likely, but like my father has a real estate company, and there's a world where I would help him and continue working in that real estate yep. company nope. because real Greek estate is families, so reliable. It's very reliable. Um, uh, it's like one of the only things that appreciates forever. Yep. Yep. Um, yep. 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 So that's really reliable. I doubt I would do that. The other thing I could see myself doing is um, there was a moment in college where I almost pursued social work um, or like even behavioral therapy more so because mm-hmm. I was really intrigued with that world. And I genuinely think I had a knack at like talking to people and connecting with people. Yeah. Um, so part of me was like, I could, I could do that. Like, I, I think it's so interesting. And I, I, people, people generally spill their heart out to me for some reason. I don't know what it is, but I've had people just, I'm talking to them for the first time. And they're like, I've killed a man. And you're like, Whoa, yeah, slow down. Son. Why? Okay, we can talk about that. There is a gentleness to you. You must Thank be aware you. that there is a, a gentle welcomingness to your your aura. 
I know that because I grew up um, as a fat foreign fag. Um, can we say that on this podcast? You can. Here's we got a rule from my sister Selena. Is this my is, second one? You, that is your second one. Uh oh. Um, you can bleep me. Oh, no, no, no. Here's the thing: is my sister she she taught me this rule, and I am living by it now. Uh, if you were marginalized by a word, you get to decide how you use that word. Woo! So don't please. make me say it again. You don't have to, but you, you are allowed to. I am that, allowed to. That's one that got you on the outside that, of happiness. So uh, it's yours. I do own Not, it. It is. It is truly my narrative. But like, truly, it's like because I grew up pretty super marginalized for many years. I was. I just like when I reached an age where kids stopped being assholes and started seeing people as people. Mm-hmm. Like I was very nice because I was just. <laughs> So sick so of it. Happy. So happy. I was so happy to be part of yeah. the conversation. I was so like, so <laughs> done with being on the outside. Yeah. You feel like you're on the inside now? Are you getting? Are you getting there? I think there? so. Okay. I think a part of me will always be like a weird little brother. Yeah. Like I have that in me. Do you have siblings? I do. Okay. Are you I'm a weird youngest. little brother? Okay. I am a weird little brother. Okay. Okay. I, there's always going to be a part of my like spirit that is that, um, but it's like the people who 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 get that about me use it well. If that makes sense. There's only a few people who like, who, who use that to my disadvantage, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. (gasps) My turn. Whoa. Yo, Carl, we're going for all years. He wrote in big fat Sharpie. So it's easy to to see his, what's your dream house look like inside and out? How's your dream? What's your dream house? Dream house. I did not hear that for some reason. What's your dream house look like inside and out? Um, Mm. On the outside, I'm going to say Spanish style. Okay. Spanish style, terracotta everywhere, gorgeous pool. How much do you love living in LA? If you like Spanish style houses. We're in how, the right place. Yeah. How comfortable are you? Uh, we're you in the right place. You could find the architect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that on the outside, um, of course, similar style on the inside, but just like Cozy living spaces, big cozy living spaces to me are more important mm-hmm. um, than anything too fancy schmancy. I just want like an amazing big open living room that connects yep. to my kitchen. Y- you um, cook? Huh? Uh, do you cook? Barely. Okay. <clears throat> I just like that idea. To me, the kitchen is such a social space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that that's important to have in your house. That's pretty much it. I can't think of anything else. I don't know. Just, um, I don't even want it to be that big either. Big houses creep me out. Yep, yep, yep. This is the place I'm living is kind of the comfortable size. Yeah. If kids are coming down the pike, then it'll be too small. But for for now, Mm -hmm. I can deal with this. Your turn. Okay. You, do you have a dream house? Of course I have a dream house. Can you answer? Or you're not allowed to answer. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm allowed to answer. Um, it's, I, okay, so my wife is out of country. We're trying mm-hmm. to get her visa figured out. The only dream house I dream of is one in which my wife is in America with a visa and we're together again. That's cute. So whatever cute. it's shaped, like if it's a cardboard box or if it's a mansion, I don't really care. I love that. Just get her over. You know, your first answer was greatest joy, your boyfriend. You yeah. Can, you can understand the feeling absolutely so what's the next question we don't i tried to pick another carl tart one let's see if this is it carl Carl. damn it carl um what is the thing you miss most about high school (laughs) um what is the thing i miss most about high school let me think about it because there is something i do miss um even though i had i had moments i really found myself in 11th and 12th grade truly one of the, tr- okay, a couple things I miss. I miss the joy of um, being like a kid at like 
being a kid at a movie theater and like feeling, um, feeling naughty for small indiscretions, like being in a movie theater and just like being like slightly loud and being like, wow, I'm a rebel. (laughs) We're out Um, of control, man. (laughs) Whoa, we can't be handled. Um, the other thing I truly miss was, um, the drunk you get when you're like in one of your, like, the early, for me, the yes. early drunks I got are drunk highs I'll never feel again. Yep, 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 yep. Do you yep. remember that? Yep, I remember going to parties and we'd uh, hide beer bottles in our pants and then take them back to the shack out back and drink one or two and be like, we're fucking drunk. This is amazing. Those like highs yeah. of drunk. And I was a ter- I was such a stupid drinker. I threw up all the time. I remember I would like, we would eat Elizabeth's Pizza, which is this, like Italian place, and get blasted drunk. I couldn't stop because I didn't have the wherewithal to be like, okay, enough's enough. enough. You yep, were just like, this yep, feels yep. good. Keep going forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I remember throwing up a lot of food and like uh, uh, my food almost like coming back together whole when I threw it up. Yeah, no, it's weird when you puke food recently eaten and you're like, that's the same thing it was. <laughs> Nothing has happened to it. What is that? It's really creepy. Uh, ramen, stay away from that if you're going to be puking because oh, no. it is identical. It's just ruined Ew. ramen for you and everyone on there. Yeah, that fucked me up. Sorry, sorry about that. Can I rescind? There's no, there's yes. no rewind button on What do you miss program. about high school? What do I miss about high school? Um, I hated every minute, not every minute. I missed, I missed the kids in the drama club. They were good. Uh-huh. Those were the only ones who were humane. Um, there, the end. That's it. That's that, it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. I missed, I do miss those early days of, of drinking and getting high. I don't miss getting high at all. Uh-huh. So not sober, just, I don't do anything anymore. That's <laughs> <laughs> mischievous. Yeah. But Naughty. yeah. No, there's there's nostalgia. Who doesn't have nostalgia? Everyone. All right, we are done with the Carl series. Let's get into let's get into some some deeper polls. All right. Thank you, Carl, for three Thank you, lovely Carl. questions. I couldn't resist. I needed those questions. How would you like to be remembered? That's a little. That's a little heady. Um. Okay. I'll After say you this. Die. Are you planning to die? Like, are you ready for it? Or? <laughs> planning to die. Um. I'm not ready for it yet. Um. I'm. Pl- I am planning to die in so far as I know it's coming, and I cannot. I cannot uh, preclude that possibility. Yeah. 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 My understanding is is that that is certain. Yes. Yes. Um. So yeah, I am planning on it in that way. How I want to be remembered, I want to be remembered. Honestly, one of my dreams is to be the creator of a cartoon, like something as epic as a SpongeBob or an Adventure Time. Do you have some pitches cooking? I do. Okay. I do. I've written a few original cartoon pilots and, um, I don't know. I really, I really respond to it. Um, and, um, that's how I want to be remembered in my dream world. I will have created a successful franchise that like bridges that gap between kid and adult comedy. And, um, uh, also leaves my kids with a lot of fucking money. You like animation. I love it. That was at the top. That's right now. Mm -hmm. What, 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 why, what, which are your animations and what spoke to you about them? Which are your cartoons? In the high school. Simpsons. I yes. mean, the Simpsons to me just completely wired my brain the yes. way it works. Yeah. I yeah. was just yeah. like, this is comedy. Yes. This is how comedy works. You have a world, you have well defined characters, 
you can and the joke density was insane oh my like the God. first five or six seasons the density it's like sentence joke sentence joke right. it's insane Three through how dense. nine to yeah. me is like the golden yes. era for many yes. and that was just so that to me that's like what really started it but even before that i loved nicktoons i, mean, I was watching them at the same time as the simpsons yeah i just really like that idea that even though you have moments of emotional clarity and groundedness, you can still explore anything at all, um, including aliens and, you know, like just robots and someone can get smashed by a fucking piano yep. and they can come out and say, ooh, yeah, or, or play their teeth. You know what I mean? Which are now like piano keys. So funny. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God. Piano key teeth are amazing. Class. Accordion body. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, no, it's um. We're gonna be at my funeral. It's gonna be a uh, Roadrunner cartoons playing in the background the whole yeah. time. The classic ones. Yeah, no. And I think, and if I'm being, this is being too deep, but one way I think, and to me, like I, okay, I think growing up, I was like frustrated at the like this sort of like fake reality we've created for ourselves, the mm-hmm. Matrix. Like this, like, okay, without, like, we're opening up a huge can of worms. Let's just dive yes. right in. Here's what I'm saying. Yes. We, we live by these fake rules. And I think mm-hmm. I, I remember being engaged in fake rules of the world. Like this makes you white. This doesn't make you that being fat makes you undesirable. You need to lose weight oh, to be yeah, desirable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gay is wrong and straight is good. So I was constantly being like, who the fuck made up these rules? And so for me, if I'm, if I'm, maybe I'm connecting the dots. Cartoons to me are like actively making fun of the reality that doesn't make sense. So maybe that's why I particularly love cartoons because they are saying to the audience, this is all bullshit. Yep. It's all made up. So why not really celebrate that? Brilliant. That's I not- mean, maybe that's why I'm really going, I'm going on a, on a ledge. That is suspiciously well said. Are you working on a book or something about <laughs> this very topic? I'm just that articulate. <laughs> that was, I'm going to ding out because I got nothing. I got no way to, to <laughs> To build on that one, it's too too efficient, too too clean. Uh, did I pull? Did you pull? You just pulled. Okay, I believe. Turn. Okay, here we go. I'm pulling Some paint because that's fun. Um, okay, were you even a bad friend to someone? Question ever? Mark? Were you ever? <laughs> were you even a bad? Were friend? you even? Um, if not, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> were you ever a bad friend to someone? You must have. What did you learn from ending a friendship? Oh yeah, I was a bad friend to someone. I'm trying to remember who I was a bad friend to. I was definitely a bad friend to someone, especially like, God, probably college. Cause I was just so self-absorbed and like, I was trying to be friends with everyone. Yep. 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 And you know, when you're friends with everyone, you're going to fuck someone over. Yep. 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 Who was I a bad friend to? Um, well, that one percolates. Yeah. I'm going to percolate just a second. That's okay. Were you dating in high school? And- no. Okay. College? I was chubby and closeted in okay. high school. College you start dating? Or? Colleges I started dating, or I guess sleeping with people, but I guess that counts as dating in college. Yeah, I yeah. I, yeah, I've never been a, a gay man in college, so yeah. I don't know what the dating scene is like there. Yeah. Well, I remember now, to answer this question. Yes. Um, okay, uh, but in terms... Well, let's answer that one let's and then come back one. to Okay, yeah, to yeah, because that, that is so rich. Okay, 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 okay. Um, 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 I, okay, I did end a friendship... On maybe the not the most fair terms. So here's, okay, here's what happened. And it was so, so long ago. I don't think I'll be airing anyone's laundry out. But a friend, I was, my, okay, I was always a nerd. And my brother was always very popular. 
Mm -hmm. like just popular and thin and cute. And like, so I was always, I felt very Ashley Simpson living in his shadow. Yep. And, uh, he, like, I had a friend who I believe who basically befriended me to get closer to him. Okay. Yep. We had a real friendship, but I think, you know, the way hormones work is that you can't always control the feelings you have. And then I discovered that that friend had done something sexual with my brother and it felt like they were getting close to me artificially to be with them. Yeah. Yeah. You're a leverage sort of. They weren't mutually exclusive. I think now that I'm older, I understand they weren't mutually exclusive. But at the time, I was so in my feelings and so... And your brother's gay too? No, no, I'm sorry. It was a female friend. Okay, okay. So I had a female friend. Copy that. Yes, and and she had, and we were just good old classic uh, Judy Garland and a Rock Hudson friendship. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep. But like obviously, you know, one night she basically... Uh, 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 leveraged herself in a situation where she would be around him. They got sexual. Yep. And I took it as like such an offense to me. And I was like, you're using me. You know what I mean? Which I mean, arguably could be true. But on the other end is like, just because someone wants to be affectionate doesn't mean they hate me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I think that that was a real gray area one. That was one where, and then I cut them out and then we did, we were like no longer friends and I just cut Was she her still coming out. around for, for your brother or did that fizzle? That fizzled have... with them too. Okay. Um, but I ended that friendship and like on the one hand, I, th- I think I was wrong to end it over something like that because I was projecting I was projecting my ego and like my, my, my hurt feelings onto them. Yeah. Yeah. So that was bad of me. But at the time I was so fragile about, you know, of course people like being more traditionally drawn to my brother than me that I was like, Oh my God, even my closest friend is just wants to get closer to my brother. Yeah. 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 Couldn't handle it. And I had to cut them out and we ended our friendship and we really connected many years later, but like it got, it, but that was, that was a friendship that ended. Well, I don't know. Like it probably sucked and, but it probably was one of those things where like there was a seed planted in her head. Like, yeah, you can hit on guys, but try not to be so obvious about it. If you're just using a to get to B to get yeah. to C, you can do that, but don't be, don't be tacky. Totally. Cool. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what's dating like? How do you, what, what, I mean, when do you first find like the I love you that matters? Oh my God. I mean, I don't know if I even found it until my current boyfriend. It's one of those things like I, from young, I thought I had figured it out, but the older I got, the more I realized like the love I had then, like it evolves and your understanding of how complex love is evolves and mm-hmm. you start to, I don't, not second guess, but like appreciate the naivety of you, naivete of youth, maybe. Hey, why don't I let you talk about this stuff? <laughs> I just didn't want to cut you off. Oh, um, yeah, I agree. I agree. It's so silly. Like, I mean, and I think it's that's one way in which queer people are at a disadvantage. It's like we, a lot of the awkwardness of dating that many people get to filter out through their middle school and early high school years, many queer people don't figure out, don't even start dating until their college years yeah. or later. So that's why they're stunted in that way. It's like all that shit, most. Most heteronormative people got to learn in middle school. We don't learn till later. Yeah, yeah. Because you just learn those through experiences and fucking up and trying again. 
No, we, uh, on average, we're probably having our first awkward kiss at 14 or 15. Right. You're 18, 19. Oh my God, 21. 20, I don't know. <laughs> I totally don't know. I shouldn't be impressing my no, imagination no, no. Totally. On, on the world. I, yeah, we had, trust me, I had all kinds of awkward experiences leading yeah. up to that moment, but I wasn't really out and being, you know, sexually active until like 19, 20, 21 and all this stuff. But like, Oh my God, it's just such a loaded thing. But like, I definitely had, you know, sexual encounters in college. I was going to gay parties. But another weird thing is like so much of how I related to the gay community was how much I was, I viewed myself, I viewed how I, how highly I think of myself directly in correlation to how much other gay men wanted to fuck me. Hold like, on, once more. Mm-hmm. Give me that one more time. I thought to have worth in the gay community, yes. I needed to be an object of desire. Okay, okay. There's and, a bit of math going on in that. Yeah. A, a, a transplanting you, you, psyches right. from one to another and exactly. then imagining what the other psyche has on your psyche. Another big ego moment where I was like, I'm only worthy if I want, if I'm an object that someone wants to ravish and is obsessed with. Like I really like had a hard time uh, uh, finding worth in uh, my self image if I wasn't being lusted after. Well, I don't know. Like being the object of someone's affection feels fucking great. <laughs> yeah. Like if you are into that person and they're like, mm-hmm. I cannot resist you when you're around me. Yeah. It's a good feeling. It's such a good feeling. And I think like, obviously it's no secret that the gay male community is very physically driven. And, um, I think the male community is physically course, driven. We just have course. like a, a, a stopgap on the valve in the female community. That's right. More careful about exactly. their physical impulses. Exactly. So you see how when it's just men that, uh, the physical side is even more emphasized and like regaled and like how, like it's even more transparently. Like if you are physically hot, I love you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the message you're getting from the gay community. Um, So that for many years was like so much of my relationship with other people was so clouded by how much they like me. How do I see my own body, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Another example I give is that like, so um, cause all men have all gay men, especially, I think a lot of people have body image issues, but it's easier as a gay man to have body image issues because Um, When you're gay, things that are erotic to you also trigger your body image issues. So, for example, my porn is my trigger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when I'm looking at porn, it's got nothing to do with what I look like. Exactly. You're like, oh, I'm looking at a beautiful being that's nothing like me. Yeah, I don't ever aspire to that. But when I look at porn, I'm like, oh, I fucking think he's hot. Well, if I Where think that he's hot, yeah. I should be that hot. Yeah, yeah. And then if I'm that hot, people want to fuck me the way I want to fuck him. So it's just a cycle of body image dysmorphia. How do you get past all that? Like, what? What's? How do you? How do you contend with that? The the only thing that's helped me contend with that is like meeting someone who's able to be cool enough to have that conversation with mm-hmm. my current boyfriend. I'm able to have that conversation with him. He's very aware of my body image dysmorphia and. Um, He's, you know, just like, yeah, I get it. That is a normal feeling. We all feel that. And then loving someone on a deeper level has just helped me to understand like, okay, cool. Like when you love someone inches and centimeters of the dimensions of their body 
don't, I don't give a fucking shit about that. I love this person. I don't care about how many uh, uh, centimeters are here and there on their body. But after three years, I mean, the logical part of your brain must take over and be like, this person likes me for who I am. Yes. Like, there's, there's definitely uh, some, some faith you can put in the, the connection at that point. Yeah. Hopefully. Yes, but it's, it's challenging. I think it's challenging for me because I was, I used to, I, I told you, I used to be fat. I yeah. used to be like obese. I used to weigh like about, at my biggest, about 320 pounds That's or pretty so. big. Pretty That's, big. Yeah. It was really big. And I lost over 150 pounds. That's a lot to lose. A lot to lose. I had, I also had skin removal surgery. Yep. Because I had just like a yeah, lot well, yeah, you of end up excess with, skin. With excess skin, yeah. Yeah, so I chose to get skin removal surgery. And I think at the time I was so foolish. I also got this surgery in my college years. I was like, oh, I'm going to get my skin removed and my body image will be back to normal. Yep, done and done. I'll come out. Yep. So foolishly I thought that. But, you know, that's really what I learned from it is like, you know, that's really, it's just the, it's the beginning of the journey. And it's like, what I really learned was that like, yeah, no surgery or amount of weight loss can make you feel better about yourself. You have to invest that time in how much you love yourself, regardless yeah. of the weight on the scale. It's it's part of a much bigger process. It's an important mm-hmm. part of the process, but there's a lot more going on. Absolutely. Are you? Do you feel like getting like you're getting closer to the to the point where you're where you look in the mirror and you're like, I'm I'm whole. I'm okay. I I'm, am. I'm here. I am. Okay. I am. I just like I. I'm just like into it. And it could just be age and cynicism, but mm-hmm. not necessarily negative cynicism. A lot of times it's like positive cynicism. How in, does that work? In that I'm like, you can walk. You have good people around you. You're and. Why are, how, okay, here's what I think about. My most popular thing I like to think about is like, what if you saw ants obsessing about the bulbs on their body? Okay. Let's say you saw two tiny ants among yep. a million ants on an anthill. And one of them was like, my bulb is so big. I hate it. Um, and the other ant was like, oh, you look fine. It's like, no, my bulb is huge. I hate it. Look at it. I think about those ants and I'm like, oh, I'm the ant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, if I'm a tiny speck of sand in this universe, I'm going to waste my time worrying about my bag of meat and water and how it's shaped when all of this will be over in the blink of an eye Mm -hmm. and I'm just so lucky to be feeling alive. Yeah, there's, there's, your heart can burn calories and don't burn them on that shit. Exactly. You don't have to. If you can burn them on, on loving yourself, loving other people, then that's a better investment in your calories. The positive cynicism is, who cares? Yeah. You have so many. No, 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 it's true. Yeah. Yeah. You have so many greater things to learn and experience in this life than yes. how you think the dimensions of your body should look. No, when you can leverage that that who cares feeling for for good instead of for evil, you've you've uh, won one of the one of the huge challenges in yeah. life. Woo! Let's do one more and then okay. we'll round it out. This is okay. this is we're just striking gold vein gold. after gold vein. <laughs> what have you got? Underrated sexual or romantic act. Beautiful. What is the underrated, underrated sexual or romantic act? Underrated sexual or romantic act. Underrated. I like a lot of stuff that's highly rated. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say like 
kissing someone's like face to me mm-hmm. is so fun. That's a nice one. Do you ever kiss uh, like right under the neck? Oh yeah, the neck. Okay, nape. that it it is so effective. Yeah, in my experience, like it's there's the best. there's so much romance hidden in the in the neck. I like kissing everywhere. Like yeah, I think just kissing everywhere, even like in places that are like goofy. Like and this is really gross and relationshipy. But yeah, like I like kissing like my boyfriend on his closed eyeball. Mm-hmm. I like kissing his ear. I'm really gross. No, and no, no. It's lovely. It's yeah. Really- I was making out with this girl in college and she was a a loosey goosey hippie type with big hairy armpits Mm -hmm. and I kissed every inch of her body except her armpits and she said you didn't kiss my armpits (laughs) you want the rest you have to kiss my armpits and it was like so funny it was so hot it was like the sexiest thing yeah and I was like fuck man why didn't I what was I how could I miss that why would I why would I marginalize that part of her body yeah and since then like just the exploration of a lover's bodies, like a slow, careful, and get into all of it. Yeah, is is very fun. So the eyelids, I haven't done eyelids yet. No, I'll, eyelids I'll save that one in the back pocket. I'm also it. here for like like um goofy naked time. Tell I me more about goofy, goofy naked time. Goofy naked time is underrated. Like um being with someone you love deeply and like chewing the top of their butt like a dog. Oh, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Or like uh chewing on someone's finger in a way that's stupid. Yes. Or like uh, uh pressing flaccid penises together. I haven't done that one yet. And you should try it okay. with your girlfriend, your wife okay. rather. Um but Do like they just make like flaccid dildos? Like just a completely floppy deflated so. dick? I don't think so. I'm I, you know what? Actually, I take that back. Everything in sex it's, is true. Yes, there's, there's something. For, it's been made. Yes, they have avatar dicks out there. We can find a flaccid. There's definitely dick. a flaccid one. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just think like I think it's kind of a cool. Like, to me, it's that's a cool exploration of like love and affection is like just like embracing your bodies in a way that isn't just sexual to me is fun. But you can understand like the, not the fear, but the trepidation about Mm -hmm. that. Like not, not if I'm with a partner, it's not for me that I'm worried about getting silly. It's like, I don't want to make them feel like I'm ridiculing or Mm -hmm. that that the whole thing is a joke because there's so much vulnerability. Totally. You can understand why it takes people a minute to get to that silliness. Totally. But good Lord, what could be funnier than, than like when you're that vulnerable, that naked, that exposed to be silly. Like there, I do yeah. agree with you. It's beautiful. Like that. Yeah, you won't, it really is. It's such a rare form of silliness. I haven't seen a naked UCB show where the audience and the performers must participate, but <laughs> there would be a vulnerability to all that. I think so. so. I think it's really, yeah, I think it's a cool thing. And it's like, and like any, any part of you that says like, oh, that's not sexy. I have to be sexy and passionate with my partner. That's so part of a myth that yeah. someone made up a hundred years ago. Yes, yes. Well, but on the other hand, being sexy and passionate is fun too. You this should is, do that too. It's totally fun. You should do that yes. too. Uh, let's talk romance for a minute. We got yeah. that's this. This is hands down the steamiest this show has ever Ooh, gotten. Ooh, I like it. Let's 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 Ooh, uh, baby. Let's go roses and. Red wine, white wine. I don't know what romance is. What what do you do? What's a romantic night for for mom? Oh my god, we're me and my boyfriend are really lazy. So I don't know. I would say like red wine. Okay. But then like uh, uh, a delivery, sort of delivery. Um, So night in, that's what I'm getting. Night in is romance for us, and like um, watching like Leah Remini Scientology documentary, just vegging out. Okay. Just vegging out and like indulging in something really uh, uh, inactive, I think, yep. is our is our safe space. Okay, 
Yeah. That's not bad at all. That's into it. Now I know how to woo you. Should I ever need to? (laughs) One thing that may be at home that's maybe a little more romantic is like baking something together. That shit is fun. Yeah. When it's like hot and gooey and just coming out of the stove and baking or cooking something together. You have a glass of cold milk if you got one. Mm -hmm. That shit is very fun. (laughs) That's a romantic thing. Yeah. Anything cooking oriented. The only thing the only thing about cooking oriented romance nights is like the dishes are in the back of the mind. That it's going to be a thing, whether it's tomorrow or yeah. tonight before you go to bed. It's always kind of that's nagging. less fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Less fun. All right, glad we cleared that all. Up. We did it. We did yes, it. I Is think... your romantic night an in night or an out night? What a little bit in, a little bit out. If oh, you know what I mean. Just guy talk on the show. You know, tonight. just a couple bros. Uh, what's what's a romantic night for me? Oh, I will tell you exactly. It is a it is a walk around the neighborhood and a chit chat with my wife, and then we come home and watch a show of something, not a movie, because we'll fall asleep if it's a movie. But we watch an episode of a show we like, and then we get busy. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's it. That sounds good to me. I miss my wife. That's the takeaway from today. Wife, where are you? Wife. Oh, wife. Wife. Are we good? We're good. Then let's wind it down. Let's let's, let's play the closeout music. All right. This has been the Hollywood Fishbowl. I have been your host, Jesse Kester, and I will continue to be your host as long as I live. If you liked what you heard, you can find us at hollywoodfishbowl.com. We're on the Instagrams and the Twitters at hwfishbowl. But it's not about us. It's about our guest. Mono, if people liked what they heard, where can they find oh so very much more of you? Oh, they can find me on the social medias at my name, Mono Agapian. You could listen to my podcast, Horny for Horror. Would you be kind enough to spell your name for us, please? I would love to spell both. My name is M-A-N-O-A-G-A-P-I-O-N. And my podcast is Horny for Horror. That's Horny, the number four, horror. Yes. Find me there. And UCB shows, uh, Rita Repulsa. I do a lot of UCB shows, including Rita Repulsa, Queer World, Benetton, UCB Drag Race, and then every Fridays at 9.30 with the improv team Winslow. I do way too many improv shows at UCB. Not enough, Derek. Not enough. And I even teach at UCB. Oh, you do? I do. I do. You a good teacher? Yeah, hell yeah. I hope I get your class Fuck someday. yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, I kick ass as a teacher. Awesome. <laughs> Who doesn't want an improv mom are you as in, their are teacher? Are you doing one-on-ones or are you hiring Yes, them? I'm doing one-on-ones. What are we doing? The music's out. I don't know. Oh, God. Okay, it's over. I'm pressing stop right now in three, Bye. two, one.